As we're getting into Romans chapter 11, let me again just remind you that Romans 9, 10, and 11 are extremely challenging passages to where, especially 9 and 11, many pastors will just go ahead and skip over those chapters because they are difficult. But for those of you who are uh, guests here, what we like to do Well, we did until this, but we like to work through books of the Bible verse by verse so that way we can see and hear the full counsel of God and not pass over anything that is challenging. We ended a few weeks ago, Romans chapter 8, talking about the love that God has for us and for those of us who are in Christ, that there is nothing out there in the world that could separate us from the love of Christ. We then moved to chapter 9, which was a shift, and it began the the section, really, of where the Apostle Paul was answering the question, well, if nothing can ever separate us from the love of Christ, then what about Israel? What about God's people? There are many of them who have not believed, so what's going on there? Are they in a different category? What's happening? And Paul has been answering that question in Romans 9 and Romans 10, and we'll see he continues it into chapter 11. We'll get through about half of chapter 11 today, Lord willing, and I hope that it will be helpful in answering that very question, what is going on with the ethnic people, ethnic Israel at the time that Paul was writing this, and we won't get into all of it today, but next week especially, I hope to answer the question of what the Bible says about the nation of Israel, ethnic Israel, in the future. A lot of debate and discussion about this. Last week when we were in Romans 10, we talked about how salvation goes to all. The message of the gospel must go out and there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all. And everyone, every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But then Paul had this logical argument beginning in verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? You can't call on somebody if you don't believe in them. And how will they believe in him whom they have never heard? You have to hear about somebody for you to believe in them so you can call upon them. And how will they hear without someone preaching? Somebody has to go and preach the gospel. And how will they preach unless they are sent? We have to send people to preach the gospel. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And so we said we need to to go more, we need to send more people, we need to pray that the Lord would raise up more to go to the harvest. But this sending out is certainly sending people to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel, and this sending out is every Sunday when we get done gathering, you are sent out to go and share the gospel with our neighbors and the nations. So verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now our text for today. I hope you were able to grab the notes when you came in. You will want them as we will work through the passage. I titled the sermon, Holy Root, Holy Branches. Holy Root, Holy Branches. Romans chapter 10, verse 18. But I ask, Paul says, have they not heard 
Has, has ethnic Israel, have they not heard? Is that what's going on? Because if faith comes by hearing, well, maybe they haven't heard. Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. A quotation out of Psalm 19.4. In verse 19, he says, But I asked, did Israel not understand? Was it an understanding issue? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Quotation out of Deuteronomy 32.21. And he furthers that point about their understanding in verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. And I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Using those two to explain that it's not an understanding issue with Israel. Verse 21, but, the, but of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Summary of this section, these verses here. The problem isn't that Israel has not heard it's that they have not believed. Paul is explaining here that they have heard, but instead of believing, they have rejected God. So thus, God has extended His hand of salvation to other nations. Now we're going to get into 11 and unpack what that means. Chapter 11, verse 1. I ask then, has God rejected His people? Is that what's gone on? And he's addressed this a little bit before. Answer, by no means. Modern day translation. Somebody give me a translation today. Absolutely not. No way. Ain't going to happen. Okay, Paul. He's actually going to give part two of why of how God is faithful. There's three parts, actually, to his answer to that question, has God rejected his people? He's already actually given us one answer. Back in Romans 9, when we were in Romans 9, verses 6 through 8, listen to this. But it is not, though, as the word of God had failed. Had God's promises, as the word of God failed? No. First part of the answer, why God is faithful, for not all who have descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Has God been unfaithful to his people? Well, the part one of that answer is when he says Israel, Paul helps us understand that that means Jews and Gentiles, all who would have faith like Abraham would be saved. So part one is, no, God is faithful to save Israel as a whole, meaning all those who have faith like Abraham. That's part one. But now in chapter 11, he's actually going to give us part two of his answer of why God is faithful. For I myself am an Israelite, Paul says. A descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know the scripture? What the Scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel. Verse 3, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? This is coming out of the Old Testament. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. See that? I, who does it? God. I have kept for myself 7,000. 
You're not alone, Elijah. You think you're the only one out there. But you're not alone. I've kept a remnant. 7,000, God says, who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Paul says in verse 5, so too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, I love this. It's kind of like a duh, but we forget it. Grace would no longer be grace. God is faithful to his people. One, because when he says Israel, he means Jews and Gentiles, both all who have faith like Abraham. Part two, it's because, look, he is saving a remnant of people throughout history. And Paul's saying, I'm Jewish. How could God reject his people? I'm Jewish. Oh, and, and if you and if, he goes, if you don't know, look back at Elijah's time. There was a remnant then. There's a remnant in Paul's time. And there's a remnant now. I did some research. It seems like the best we know around 16 million Jews around the earth, probably more than that, and you get into what about when they intermarry and this and that, whatever. Around 16 million ethnically Jewish people. As far as we know, there are around 390,000 followers of Jesus who are Jewish. Now that's a low percentage. So we don't rejoice that it's so low, but it does show what? A remnant. He has not forgotten his people. He is still working. But what is going on with this thing? A few application points real quick in this section. A reminder, God always keeps his word. These are two parts to that, answering that question for Paul. And there's always a witness somewhere. With God's people, there's always a witness. Question today for you, are you part of that witness? Are you one of his people? If you're not, you need to become one of his people. And if you are one of his people, would anybody around you even know it? Are you a witness for Christ? Grace is only grace. Application point two. Grace is only grace if no works are involved. So question, in your own salvation, as you think about your salvation, or in your sanctification, as you grow to look more and more like Jesus, do you see grace or do you look at works? One way you can tell is if you think your worth comes from how you're doing that day in your Bible reading or your prayer time or your following, you have days where you struggle and you think, maybe I'm not saved. Are you secure in the grace of God? Fourth application point here, just a question for you. How are you accepting grace? Grace from God and grace from other people. Grace is unmerited favor. It's something you don't deserve. So when people do something for you that you do not deserve, how do you, how do, you do with accepting that? Or can you not accept it? Because if you can't, then you have an issue with grace, which is actually rooted in pride. Some of us are all about accepting grace. We'll take the grace of God. Amen. I'm a sinner and I need grace. But the fourth application point, you're not very good at extending grace to other people. You're not very good at extending grace to other people. You'll take the grace of God when you mess up, but somebody else messes up? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what that is? At the root? Pride. Both are pride. If you cannot accept grace and you cannot extend grace, then you have pride in your heart. 
So the Apostle Paul is saying there's a remnant. Let's continue on. 7 through 10. Of course, grace would no longer be grace. Verse 7, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Listen to this. Verse 8, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. To reiterate, verse 9, and David says, let there be let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. This section, if we were to summarize it, coming out of Isaiah 29.10, a quotation there. Psalm 69.22-23, quotation there as well. It's used to show, now don't miss this, that what has happened with the nation of Israel is actually a part of God's plan actually a part of God's plan. Make no mistake, Israel is responsible for for the fact that they have rejected the Messiah, that they do not believe. This goes back to our conversation at the end of Romans 8 and into Romans 9. Human responsibility, is that true and in the Bible? Come on. Human responsibility, is that true and in the Bible? Yes. The sovereignty of God over all things, is that true and in the Bible? Absolutely. They go together. They are friends, not enemies. And just because we can't understand them doesn't mean we put one or the other away. That's what we're seeing here. They are responsible for their unbelief and look what the text says. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, working in Israel. Why would you do that, God? Why would you work in such a way to harden them? That sounds terrible. Again, back to Romans 9, the Lord is free to do what he chooses and it is still their choice to reject the Messiah. Both are true. But why would God work this way? What's going on? I'm so glad you asked. Because what we're about to read, you should be overwhelmed by the grace of God for you. Listen to this. Verse 11. So I ask, Paul says, did they stumble? Did ethnic Israel stumble in order that they may fall? Is that the point? That Israel would just stumble and fall and God goes, ha ha! Is that what's going on here? Does God not have any purpose? Just so you know, in case you are new or you have had your ears clogged every time I preach just about, God wastes nothing and He is always working for His glory and our good. There is nothing that is wasted. So what is going on? Paul says, did they they just stumble in order that they may fall? Answer, by no means, ain't no way. Here we go. Here's a mystery for you. Check this out. Rather, through their trespass. Whose trespass? Their trespass. Still their choice. Their trespass. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. If you're a Jew, you better, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. So as, look at this. Look what he's doing. Watch this. So as to make Israel jealous. Woo! Lord, what are you doing? Gentiles come to faith, and Israel starts going, hey, wait a minute. That Old Testament, that's our book. 
Abraham, faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jake, no, that's our God. Those are our guys. And we're saying, oh, they're ours too. Because God is gracious. And you guys should come read the Bible with us in light of the promised Messiah. Okay? Now, if their trespass, right? If their trespass, verse 12, means riches for the world. Watch this. And if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion, or a better interpretation might be, how much more will their fullness mean? <laughs> if the world is saved by the rejection, what does it mean when their fullness happens? Question, well, what does that mean? What, what does their fullness mean? Guess what? You've got to come back next week. <laughs> I'm not answering that one today. But whatever it means, wait, get this, whatever it means, it's better than what has happened for the Gentiles to come in. Whatever that fullness or full inclusion means, which we'll get to next week, it's even better than that. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Hey, here, listen up, Gentiles. Verse 13, listen up. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, Paul said, hey, just as much as I'm a, a Gentile or an apostle to the Gentiles, I go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. Look at this. I magnify my ministry, verse 14, in order. Paul, I'm doing this in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Isn't that interesting? God, what God's doing and Paul's doing the same thing. I'm, yeah, I'm coming for you guys and I'm preaching the gospel to you and that's what I'm doing. And I love you and I want you to be saved, but at the same time, I want them to be jealous for the gospel so that some would come to faith. Finishing up here. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Last verse, 16. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, if those in believing Israel long ago were holy and set apart from God, so is the whole lump. For if the root is holy, so are the branches. You know what you are? You're branches. Just walk around today and be like, I'm a branch. I'm a holy branch. Because God has set me apart. Because God has worked. I'm a holy branch because of the Holy One, Christ. Do you see grace? Do you see mercy? Application points as we end. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper and we're going to display the grace of God as we take the Supper. But listen to these application points. Praise God, verse, the first one here, praise God for His grace in saving you and making you holy. Just, just praise Him for that all day long. Since He has set you apart and made you holy, point two, live a holy life. You've been made holy by the power of the Spirit. Live a holy life. I have three for you. I put three on here just to practically help. There's others that the Spirit will guide you on. Holy in your speech. Do you look like the world or do you look holy in your speech? Cussing, coarse joking, gossip, slander, tearing down. Those things shouldn't be coming out of our mouths. We're holy and set apart. May God help us with it. Holy in what you watch. Television, movies, stuff on the internet. Be holy in what you watch. Be holy in what you listen to. Music, 
make wise choices there, but also what you listen to, gossip and slander of others. And that includes what you allow yourself to read on the internet and things. Be holy. God has set you apart to be holy. Third thing I would encourage you to do is share the gospel so more Gentiles come to Christ. In Romans 11.25, a little bit further, which we'll get into next week, the Apostle Paul says this, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come on Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. A partial hardening now where some are believing, but not many, till the full number of the Gentiles comes in. We need to be sharing the gospel to these unreached peoples so the full number comes in. Application point four, I would say, Follow Paul and what he's doing, and we've got to talk to your Jewish friends and, and use the Old Testament to point to Christ as the way of salvation and make them jealous. Now, ultimately, that's God's work that would have to happen, but talk to your Jewish friends about Jesus. Great opportunities to do so. And the last one is extend grace to others and accept the grace of God and accept grace from other people. Let's pray together and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper and display the grace of God through that. Father, we love you and thank you for your word. We're thankful, Lord, that you would love us, that you would pursue us. Lord, that in the, the mystery of Israel rejecting you and also your work and, and hardening, hardening them and giving them a, a spirit of stupor, Lord, but doing that, this partial hardening, so that the Gentiles would come to faith. Lord, we can't even comprehend it. But we're also excited to see what the full inclusion or the fullness means for the world. I pray for those who are here, Lord. I pray that for those who do not know you, they haven't trusted in Christ. They're not grafted in yet. I pray they would trust in Jesus, in his death, in their place for their sins. They would trust that after three days he rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death, and justifying us before God. Lord, that's a stumbling block to those who do not believe. I pray for those who are here that it would be salvation. Lord, help us to receive your grace, walk in grace, and extend grace to our neighbors, to one another here, and to the nations. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.